Sandy Gilpin. How are you? I'm great. How I are you, am, Ben? I'm really good. Thank you. I, uh, I'm super excited that you're here. You know, you and I, we, we met, I don't know, it's been a few months ago now at the, uh, at the Lunch and Learn. Um, and I didn't really know, you know, the depth to which your business operated and where your expertise lied until we exchanged a few emails. I got to kind of look at your website and, and dive in on things. And I'm really looking forward to picking your brain, um, specifically because, you know, I know that you specialize in many different things of, with coaching and rituals and, you know, all these, these great things. But right on your website, and I'm going to butcher it, but somewhere on the, the heading, it basically says something to the extent of navigating life's transitions with grace and hope. And it's got this really positive message to it, um, which I think is, is so powerful because, you know, the only constant is change. And for so many people, we encounter these, I'll call them milestone transition moments, um, and I'm, I just can't wait to pick your brain and dive into all things transitions and, you know, how to, how to effectively go through all of these changes that people encounter in life and things like that. Um, but before we do, if you don't mind humoring me, in our email correspondences, you had brought me up to speed a little bit on what I'm going to call a major life transition <laughs> for you. And I don't want you to share anything you're not comfortable with, but I do feel like it's relevant because it paints the picture of somebody who has experienced very significant life changes at even a later stage in life. Um which I just think is, is so important for people to hear because, you know, we're always self-identifying and, you know, figuring out who we are. And so this idea that that can even change, you know, later on is, is I think, really unique. So if, if you don't mind, I'd love to start kind of hearing that background story of your, your relevant, significant, uh, you know, big life change and then and kind of dive in from there. Absolutely. And, and because we're on a podcast, I'm doing air quotes right now. So we'll talk major milestone or major <laughs> life change. Um, yeah. And uh, absolutely happy to, to talk about my major life change. And, and really, I think that's the key that has me sitting in this chair today is that without going through what I've gone through, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I wouldn't be where I am. And so I will kind of rewind to about four-ish years ago. And I was married. I have two kids. Um, they're twin daughters, almost 15. They're fabulous, except when they're not. And they know that I say that. So, so <laughs> Every parent is listening going, yeah, right. I yeah, get it. Uh-huh. Totally, totally on board there. Um, so I was in a, a marriage that was fine. You know, we were we were fine. We live here in Durango. Durango is a great place to live. It's a great place to raise kids. Um, I have a, a had um, at the time a, a good career. Um, all of that was sort of bubbling along. I sort of felt like something wasn't right. I sort of felt like something was missing. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I also just didn't feel fully alive, which I could get to later. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, I, uh, without going into too many details, um, but essentially found out that uh, the, the marriage that I was in was not the marriage that I thought I was in. 
And so I made um, a discovery, actually several discoveries of some really big um, lies that had been going on that essentially rocked my foundation. And so I had no idea where my solid ground was. And so I had learned these things. I'd found out that my marriage was, was not what I thought it was. I found out that my husband at the time was not who I thought he was. Um, and I really didn't know what to do. So I, I was struggling with, you know, I, I've got kids, I've got a family, I've got a house, I've got a life. Um, what, what do I do? What do I do next? And I knew that this was bigger than me. And I knew that I needed to have people. So I knew that I couldn't go through this alone. So I, I started to gather people. I went to therapy for myself. We got into couples therapy. I started doing group coaching. I started doing individual coaching. You name it, I probably did it. Um, really in this attempt to kind of figure out who I was, what all this meant, and how do I, how do I move forward? And part of that was thinking about my daughters and really wanting to provide the best kind of life that I could for them and wanting to be a role model of a strong woman for them, as well as figure my own stuff out. So. Yeah. Um, so did that for a couple years, really worked on my marriage, really tried to, to make a go of it, and really tried to, to figure out if we could salvage it. Um, and what I discovered is that I couldn't. So uh, sometimes people will say, um, you know, things like, I can't believe you stayed so long. Sometimes people will say, I can't believe you didn't give it a chance. Um, and what I tell people is that I stayed the exact right amount of time until I knew that I had to leave. It's a great answer to that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't know until you know, you know? So, um, and, and so throughout all of that, throughout all of the, the work that I was doing, both individually on myself um, and with my, my husband at the time and, you know, through the therapy and the coaching and all of that, really trying to think about how do, how do I first personally manage through this transition? Yeah. You know, something that was um, essentially thrown on me. And I would say that I think that's where we struggle a lot are with those transitions that we sort of feel like the changes we didn't ask for. Exactly. You know, the things like layoffs or um, divorce, you know, finding out some, some, uh, some truth about your, your significant other or about your family or, or those sorts of things. That's, that's where I think we, we struggle a lot of times in terms of being able to move on and, and move forward. Do you think, because speaking specifically about, and this is why I'm so glad that you're here, because I think everybody, every single person at some point in their life experiences what I'll consider a significant life change they didn't ask for, <laughs> right? We, life happens. We have a trauma. We, you know, learn more things. We, I mean, I've had my fair share of them in, in plenty of cases and, you know, no need to dive into those, but there, there are, I think that that's a common trait. And I think that so many times 
as humans, we don't realize how massively impactful those unplanned transitions can be. We also don't realize that so many others experience some some version of that you know, at the same time. And I love how when you're originally talking there, how you needed people around and a community and things like that. And so much of what I'm trying to accomplish is, you know, make sure that people don't feel alone and isolated because so much of the things that we all deal with, we all deal with, Absolutely. you know, they're, they're, it's just that they're not talked about nearly, nearly as much. So I'm curious though, you talked about kind of this, I'll call it this uh, insight moment. You know, we found out some truths that we didn't know about earlier that sort of rocked the foundation of a marriage and a household and a family. I mean, you know, incredible, I'll call it consequences from that discovery, right? Like the, 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 the domino effect is large from there. What I'd love to hear from you is your personal emotions through that stage, because it sounds like what I'm curious about is there's this huge kind of traumatic life-changing event that happens, but somehow you respond to it with, I'll call it inner work, mm-hmm. counseling, group therapy, group coaching, you know, all of these great things that you did. Was that because you were trying to prevent change or because you knew change was coming and you were trying to process it or just walk me through kind of the mindset on, cause I, I just relate so much to knowing that, you know, you've got two daughters there's all this stuff that you've built that you're trying to keep together. And I'd love to hear from you those early stages, what you were feeling and why you sought the help that you did. Well, and that that's a great question. I don't know that it's been phrased to me in exactly that way before. And so thinking back, I think the very first thing I knew was that I didn't know, right? Like I had I can't tell you if I was trying to prevent change or if I knew that change was happening. If I'm being honest, it was probably the former, right? Like trying to stop whatever was going on. But I just knew that it was so huge that whatever it was, I had very few tools to be able to deal with with this a, a change of this magnitude. Um, and I think... There was a a small part of me, too, that when I was going through this, I started, not only did I I seek out, you know, therapy and coaching, I started going online, I started uh, listening to podcasts, I started reading books, I started reading articles, really in this way, as you talk about, to try and find, again, I go back to my people, Mm -hmm. right? Because I did, I felt so alone and isolated and... um, you know, to the outside world, it looked like I had a great marriage. It looked like everything was fabulous. And in fact, some people that I hadn't talked to in a while, when, uh, you know, it all started to, quote, go south, and, and I realized that I needed to leave, would say things like, really? But you look, you know, things seem so fabulous, yeah. and, and that sort of thing. So I, I think it really was more just this attempt to, I didn't know what I didn't know, but I knew I didn't know. So kind of trying to find people who could help me. Um, and then once I, and I, th- this story actually came to mind, this, this scene came to mind when you were asking the, uh, the question about whether I was trying to prevent change or whether I was trying to embrace change. And I think at least initially, I was trying to figure out who I was and, and what, 
my role is or was in in all of this. Hmm. And I just remember that I had this this moment uh, a few months in where I remember actually like laying on my bed and I was so upset and so hurt and I just started I started crying and I used to I still journal but I had been journaling and I just remember I was writing in my journal I am broken I am broken I am broken and just had this kind of like a, a, a breakdown. And then the next morning, I remember waking up and it was like, I had kind of gotten rid of that. And I was like, okay, I think I can, I don't, I, I, I suddenly felt like maybe, maybe I'm not actually broken. Right? So it was this idea of kind of getting something out into the open that I had been afraid to talk about or to even admit helped it become less scary. Yeah. Well, how, how interesting and, and, you know, obviously in hindsight I can smile. You know, I can, I can give you a little bit of a hard time for that. But, it, you know, I, it's so common that somebody would have something happen to them or a, a life change, you know, occur. I think, you know, abusive relationships, people who start to learn a little bit more information, if it's religious upbringings or, you know, friend groups or like closely held beliefs that happen in, mm-hmm. you know, in, in people's social circles and things like that, um, that, that, that there would be that tendency to think there's something wrong with them when there's these other influences happening, you know, causing causing the change and so because uh, I, d- I don't think that that's uncommon at all and how great to know that you know you put it out there and it you realize how untrue that is you know you're not broken absolutely you're having something happen to you know change is happening right right and and it really was like that I kind of think of that as sort of this turning point where once I was able to get it out there I was like wait a minute I'm not actually broken I just don't know who I am. I was going to ask that. So, like, because I think a lot of times when these huge life transitions happen for people, there's that, a lot of times it's core, or, you know, our core selves that are, are having to evolve a little bit. I'm married, yeah. or I'm, you know, ex-religion, or I do this for my job, or I, this is my hobby and now I'm injured. Or, you know, there's these, like, things that we identify as that then have to change with mm-hmm. it. So in a lot of ways, part of us have to evolve, you know, as these life changes are happening as well. Is that a safe assumption and is that a healthy response or is that something that you help help coach people through? Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of times what happens is we, life sort of happens, right? And we just kind of bebop along and, and we do, we go to our job or we raise our kids or we're, we're married or we're in a relationship and we don't necessarily think about, one, how it pieces together and two, who we are personally in a relationship. So I would say one of the key things that, that I did and that I do with my clients is really talk to them about their values. And I know that this has been a, a conversation that you've had uh, with some previous guests on your podcast, right? Um, and I think that for me, the key 
when when I was going through all of this was to really think about you know this idea of who am I really started with thinking about what's important to me and what are my values and and not so much the fact of like well I'm a wife or I'm a mother but really internally in my core who am I and what do I believe in and what do I value and is that something you know that that you feel like is a solid or a, a best practices exercise for anybody going through any major life transition to sort of reflect on their core values and where they're aligned and things like that? Or does that kind of come later on in the process? I, I think some of it, it, it's a little bit dependent, right? So it, for, for some, that, that's a conversation that we get into earlier. Um, for, for others, we're doing a little bit more triaging. And so that kind of comes out a bit later. I think it is a really important conversation um, but again, it just sort of depends. It's a little bit fluid as to where that where that happens. Yeah. Yeah. What's your perspective on change now? <laughs> well, I would say I'm much better at dealing with change. Uh, and actually, one of the reasons that I'm doing what I do now, the, the transformational coaching and the ritual work and, and even some of the, the consulting that I do and that sort of thing, I wouldn't be doing if I hadn't gone through this previous change. Yeah. And I was, uh, when I felt like I was sort of at a crossroads with my previous career, I really channeled what I had done previously in terms of my my marriage and the work there and, and thought, you know, it's not going to be good for me to stay where I am. Like, it's safe and it's, I wouldn't even call it okay. I would call it sort of sub-okay. <sighs> But if I really want to grow and I really want to become a better person, I need to take this leap. Mm. So I think I'm much more open to change. I wouldn't say that I, I run at everything like, what can I change? <laughs> but I definitely embrace it a lot more than I used to, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and I just think it's such an interesting thing to consider because I, sh- I wrestle with these philosophies of – you know, does life ha- does life happen to you, or does life come from you? What's your take on that? Absolutely, that that is such a great question, and I think again, there are some things that happen to us, right? Um, you know, making a discovery in your marriage, having a cancer diagnosis, you know, something like that. But then I think the key really is how we respond to that, and and what we then take from it. And I'm a huge believer in mindset and energy. And I'm also a big believer in the universe, right? So I don't think, um, I think that the universe gives us what we need to help us move forward, which is very different from what we might want. Mm -hmm. So we don't always get what we want. Dang it. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) But but I think that that the universe can can teach us some really great lessons if we're willing to keep our eyes open and to listen and to feel. I think that's the other the other key thing that I've really learned through a lot of the work that I'm doing is that I think a lot of times we as humans, we try to think ourselves either into something or out of something. And really what we need to be doing is think is is getting deeper and, and feeling, either feeling with our heart or feeling with our gut. 
and not just being up in our head. Yeah. Yeah. What a great answer. Um, you've mentioned a few times rituals. Mm-hmm. Can you educate me on that? <laughs> Absolutely. So <laughs> the story that I, I like to tell is that when I was um, still married and we were in marriage counseling, we had a therapist who said, we, we discovered, you know, we were talking about something in a session and she said, you know what you need to do? You need to go throw rocks in the river to get over whatever it was. And I said, yes, I'm going to go throw rocks in the river. So I went and I gathered these rocks and I got them and they were put in the trunk of my car and they rolled around in the trunk of my car for months because I could never find the time to go to a river. And probably some of your listeners know that we live in Durango. We're right by the a river. right here. <laughs> the li- river is literally five minutes from anybody, pretty much. It's almost in the way. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so there's no excuse for me not to. It's not like I couldn't find a river. It's not like I'm in the desert. So one day I said, I was like, what is my problem? Like, why can I not go through a rocks and river? And I sat down and I realized, it's like, you know, throwing rocks in the river is exactly the wrong thing for me symbolically for what this, and I don't even remember right now what it was, um, but for whatever it was that I needed to process through. So once I realized that, I went and got a glass vase and I put all of these rocks in this glass vase and I have them on a shelf in my house to remind me that, you know, getting back to this idea of rituals, that Rituals are really personal, and they're, I, I think about rituals as a very conscientious event or set of events that we do to help us process through a, a particular belief or set of beliefs that we have. And one of the reasons that it's important for us to, to do that is to have, one of the reasons it's important for us to have these symbols and these processes is that our brain is actually hardwired to need that sort of stimulus. So it goes back to what I was saying earlier, where we can't just think ourselves out of a problem. We have to do something. We have to do something. Even if it's ritualistic. Even if it's a ritual. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I would say not not just even if it's a ritual, but especially if it's a ritual. Hmm. So, but it's not a one-size-fits-all sort of thing. So um, if we think about, you know, some rituals in society, so for instance, getting married, okay? Uh, When we look at how different people approach that, you know, we have people where it's very important to have a big wedding. Some people it's very important to have a small wedding. Some people it's very important to do it outside or to do it in a church or to have family or to please don't have any family, right? So, So there's all different sorts of ways that people will approach that and what they do is they think about what's meaningful to them and what's important, and then they create that ritual. So what, what I do and what I think is important for people to do and, and how I want to educate people is that we need to have more rituals in our lives, more ways to help us process through transitions or limiting beliefs uh, to, to help us kind of move forward. Give me some examples. Okay. So I had a client who um, 
this was an interesting one. I had a client who was really struggling with um, the death of a stepfather that he'd been estranged from for 20 years, but prior to that had been like an actual father to him. And the only reason that he knew his stepfather died is that he was still the executor of his will. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he came to me and he said, initially his first question was, he said, I'd like a ritual for how to scatter my my dad's ashes, you know, what I need to do with that. So we started talking and I realized that he knew how to scatter his his stepdad's ashes and what that was going to look like. What he actually needed was a ritual to be able to, to let go and to release his dad from, or stepdad from all of that, all of this stuff that yeah. had happened previously. And then he also needed a piece because his, his mom is still alive. He needed a piece to be able to kind of work her into the mix. So I created a ritual where he went to a place where he felt the most like himself. That was my direction. I want you to go to a place where you feel most like yourself, most calm and centered. And when I told him that, he said, oh, I know exactly where that is, which I thought was interesting. And he had to do some writing to his, fa- his stepfather um, about some of the, the feelings and some of the things that had happened when he was younger. And then he had to burn the letter and put it with his stepfather's ashes. And so there, there were a few other pieces to this, this ritual, but um, so he went out and he did that and he came back and reported to me and said that it was one of the most powerful things that he'd done and he could actually feel himself releasing these pieces of his stepfather that he didn't know that he needed to hmm. release. So, yeah. How interesting. Yeah. Have and and it's it's interesting that you mentioned you know weddings as a ritual because I've never like now that you say that it's clear obviously that's a, a ritual. Um, have humans human beings have we always been ritual? I don't even know the word for it. Ritualistic. Rit- yeah. Or, like or have, have we always rituals? participated in rituals? You know, through our evolution and and something that is is that comes natural to us or is it kind of a newer thing in terms of, you know, humans participating in, in rituals? Do you have any idea? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, having rituals is something that, that humans have done since earliest times. I mean, if you look at, um, there's some great anthro anthropological, it's a big word, some great anthropological work that's, that's been done looking at rituals in different communities and, and different, um, times and and that sort of thing and we've always had some sort of ritualistic behavior whether it's a rite of passage ceremony whether it's um you know something that that people would do before they would go on a big hunt death rituals all of those sorts of things we've absolutely always had and and is it because it helps us process emotions you know what what Help me unpack the significance of rituals a little bit deeper. Right? So it, it does. Like, it, it helps us process emotions. And, and what a ritual also does is there's a it triggers in the brain, hey, what's going to happen is important. Pay attention to it. Like, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Yeah. So, so it, it, it cues our brain into that. 
And then that starts, and, and I don't know all the technical terms for all the brain chemistry, right? But that starts the, the brain kind of functioning and processing in a different way than us just sort of thinking like, okay, like, yeah, maybe this is a big deal. Right. That's why it's important to, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking recently I, I lost my dog my uh, 14 years, and it was mm-hmm. a big deal for me. But, Absolutely. Um, it, you know, it, it was important that we went through the whole process with the kids and, you know, buried him and made sure everybody participated and things like that. You know, I've, I was viewing it through the lens of a need for closure. Mm-hmm. Um, but hearing that makes so much sense because it's almost like it cues up your brain to say, hey, pay attention this one matters like that, you know, the, these ones need to, this needs to stick. I'm, I'm processing some important information here, good or bad. So, um, do people, do you advise people to create their own rituals or, or what's like best practices for, you know, rituals? And, and what about these other life changes that aren't nearly as tangible? You know, you, you gave me the example of, uh, the, somebody who lost their father-in-law, mm-hmm. huge, huge deal. What about the person that just got laid off? You know, what about the person that, uh, you know, th- those things that, that aren't necessarily as enormous as a death or things like that? Um, do you encourage people to, to establish rituals around things like that too? Absolutely. I mean, I think um, whenever there's any sort of transition, and it doesn't have to be a- as big as a death, you know, it could be anything smaller. I mean, I've, I've done rituals for myself when I've had um, some friendships that have sort of, you know, kind of petered out or, or that sort of thing. And it's a, it's a way to, again, help give your brain some closure. I mean, I think, you know, that that's just as legitimate. And that's just a that's an emotional response as well, having that closure, you know, you talk about the the death of your dog, um, you know, and being able to, to process and move on. And, and I think, absolutely, I would certainly encourage people to think about rituals for themselves that are meaningful. So, for instance, um, I know for some people, it's really meaningful to, if we go back to the, the death of a pet, it's really meaningful to find a place to bury their animal. For somebody else, that might be like, oh, no, I don't want to, like, not at all. Like, don't, don't suggest that I do that, right? Um, other people like to, to have them cremated or, you know, there, there's a whole variety of things that, that we can do. And I think the key is to really tap into what's important for us. So if we go back to me, me not being able to throw rocks into the river, for me, that was a violent thing that didn't feel right for what I needed to get past and what I needed to process. And what I ended up doing a a number of months later was a much gentler ritual about um, short story, you know, long story short, putting some some leaves into a a lake. Um, And so that was a, a much different sort of feel for me. Yeah. So... Yeah, and, and I've talked to some people, you know, for instance, uh, when they're going through a divorce and, and they'll say things like, oh, yeah, I, I burn these photos or that sort of thing. And, and that really spoke to them. And then I have other people who say, oh, no, I would never like that feels horrible to burn something. So so I think it is very individual. And then are they meant to be one time occurrences? Are they meant to be repeated? Like, do, you know, do people establish 
recurring rituals? What, how does that stuff work? Absolutely. So I, what I tend to focus on are more of those one-time kind of ceremonial type rituals. But I think there's there's also a point, uh, there, there's a, an importance to more regular rituals, daily or weekly or that sort of thing. And I think the key with those is, is making the distinction between a ritual and a habit. Mm. So for instance, I don't know about you, but I drink coffee in the morning. I usually don't think about how I make the coffee, right? I'm mostly asleep. I go downstairs. I boil the water. I'm French press people. So I boil the water, pour it in the French press, check my email, do whatever. Happens every day. It's a habit. However, if I wanted to make it more of a ritual, what I would do is I'd really focus my attention on every step that I was doing. I'd probably usually do them in the same order and I'd really be paying attention and I'd be focusing my senses as well on everything that was happening so that it's really this idea too of being fully present. Yeah, intentionality it sounds like really matters. Absolutely. And and that's another piece I think in our in our lives today it's so easy to just be focused on the next big thing, looking ahead or even looking behind or looking ahead, looking ahead and we don't tend to focus on the present. And that's another thing that either a one-time ceremonial type ritual or even a, a more regular practice can give us is this idea of slowing down and really being present and just being. Tell me more about that. <laughs> because, the, well, the idea of being present, it's relevant to me right now. I've, I've kind of been going down a, I don't know, I've, I've had kind of an intentional journey the last year or so. Um, one of the components to that is an attempt to be more present, mm -hmm. you know, when possible, whether it's if I'm, you know, midway through an endurance event or parenting or having a one on one with one of my employees. I think that we live in a world that is incredibly distracting. Um, you know, we have tons of devices. I mean, I work in digital marketing. You talk about where I, I design distractions. Right. But, um, you know, the, that idea of, of being present um, and how much it matters, I'd love to hear your thoughts on being present and, and the significance of it, especially as it relates to life changes and, and rituals and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the, the, the things that, that we tend to do whenever we're in the midst of a big life change is we do this kind of future thinking or future... Um, uh, now, now I've lost the word. But future tripping. Future tripping. Uh, we we catastrophize, and so we a lot of times we'll we'll we're, we're wired to see the bad, and not necessarily see the good. Yeah. So we'll immediately go to worst case scenario and and that sort of thing. And so it's really important to to back up. And again, thinking about the way that we're wired, it's really important for us to to back up. And if we're fully present in the moment. We're going to make better decisions. We're, we're more fully present. All of that future stuff, it's in the future. You know, it, it's not set in stone. We can change it, but we have to do it now. Yeah. Right? We have to be here now. We can't be over in the future piece. And what an interesting thing to consider. So I, I had Susie on last week, and we were talking specifically about leadership and our inner critics and things like that. And one of the things she mentioned was that the, the challenge with an inner critic is that it only points out what you stand to lose. 
it does not point out what you stand to gain. Absolutely. And I'm loving that there's a parallel there as it relates to significant life changes. Um, you know, and we were talking earlier about how hard some of this stuff can be for people because it's their core self that's changing. Mm-hmm. Things that we've identified as are going away or evolving or changing or whatever it might be. And the only thing in the, that it's so easy to see what has been lost. It's so easy to see what has been changed because it's been lost. It's mm-hmm. tangible. You can see it. You can watch the change. What's more difficult, but I think more inspiring and, and more beautiful is the things that can come, the, 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 the great things that might happen. Um, there's another kind of philosophy I have that I'm, I'm coining the slingshot theory, <laughs> which it's, you know, in its infancy. But the idea basically is, is that sometimes you take a step back and it lets you propel forward. And I think that that's an important message for people to hear, you know, that are dealing with significant life changes, um, you know, life transitions and things like that, that you can recognize the negative impacts because they're here now, because it's like something that you've had has gone, but you can't see yet how great things might be or, you know, the, mm-hmm. these good things that happen. Um, I love that. And it's how cool to see the parallel between the leadership and the, you know, the life changes right. and things like that. And uh, an important message to drive home for people that the upside sometimes is harder to see than the downside. But being present can help you sort of guide, you know, guide your way there. Absolutely. Well, and, and to go back to something that, that you had just said is this idea of when we have a change that it, it changes our core. And I think, I think that's the key with knowing who you are and knowing what your values are, is that then it's actually not the core that's changing. Your core is still there. It's really these, these other pieces. And if you actually know who you are at the core, I think it's easier to stay present and it's easier to see a positive future and to have a positive outlook. So, for instance, for me, my North Star, you know, my, my values, and, and I know you've used that term on a previous podcast, right? But my, my core value really is what I call the, the hot value. <laughs> so it's honesty, openness, and transparency. And that really guides everything that I do and every decision that I make. And so I think about when I'm going to make a decision or when I'm going to interact with somebody, I think about am I being honest, open, and transparent? I like that. And then I also think about, are they being honest, open, and transparent with me, right? Because that's, that's an expectation that I have. And it's a, a, a stated expectation. I don't just quietly assume that they'll be like that, but I talk about it. Um, and I think that, that having, having your core defined and doing that work really does help you stay grounded and help you see the positive. Yeah. And it speaks to the, the, the benefits of that self-work before you need it too. Right. you know, like figure out who you are because change is coming. We, we all know that there's going to be, there's adversity on the horizon. We don't know how far out it is. We don't know how big it is, but for every single person, something is on its way. And I think that there's probably things we can do now to establish that core, you know, those core values and, and this who we are to sort of help us navigate the inevitable when right. it comes. Yeah. 
Well, and I and I think part of that too is this mindset as well. So so understanding that change is going to happen, it's inevitable. It's the only constant. All of those those sort of platitudes, and trusting. So so that's that idea of being more fully present is trusting that what's happening is meant to happen. And it's not so much about, you know, you asked the question about whether change happens to us or whether we prepare for change. So understanding that things happen, but it's really then our response that drives the next pieces. And so, so having our core values, trusting, being open, being ready to see the good is, I think, really, that, that's that whole, it's, it's this whole huge ball of work right? Like it's, yeah. a, it's a not insignificant thing to, to wrap your head around. Is it safe to say there's, there's that saying, you know, 10% of life is what happens and 90% of it is how we respond to it. Is that, that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I think the other part is that it's, it's also not like you get to a finish line. So it's kind of, you know, to, um, I'm a big, um, we, we hadn't necessarily talked about this before, but I'm a big fan of, of ultra running and, and I volunteer at the Hard Rock 100 and, and my brother and I, you know, um, follow all these races and that sort of thing. So it's sort of safe to say it's like the longest ultra marathon, right? Life is. <laughs> that, that you're never actually going to finish. It's like a never ending, um, was it Big's Backyard Ultra? Yeah. Just keep going around and around and there's, there's never a winner, right? Um, but yeah, just kind of knowing that that's, that's the journey that you're on is this never ending journey of change and, and growth and betterment. Is there joy in the journey? Oh, there's absolutely joy in the journey. Like I think, I think that's one of the things about really embracing change and embracing, um, I'd say adversity, but when things happen just to you, um, just kind of when you're more present, you're more able to see the joy in everyday things that happen and in the journey. Like I think, I think. I have had more joy in the last four years of my life than I had in the previous, I don't really want to say exactly how old I am, but in the previous many years of my life because I am much more present and I'm willing to understand and embrace that, that change happens and that, yeah, life happens. So, What a great message, too, and a good you're a good representation, you know, I think for, for people that are dealing with these huge changes that out the other side of it can be meaningful personal change, meaningful personal growth. And the fact that now you have kind of a new, you know, a new perspective and you're more present and things like that. Um, it's cool to see because, it, you know, it's like we were talking about at the beginning of, of the podcast that so many people, I think, deal with these life transitions behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, grin and bear it, figure it out. You know, we don't need to talk about it or whatever. And I think that there's some power in this idea that you can turn back and with a shift in perspective and to view things through hindsight, you can see that it was meant to happen and it put you on this different trajectory, generally speaking. I mean, obviously there are in incredibly tragic changes that mm -hmm. happen that finding the, you know, the good in that is, is way more difficult than you know, a, a new job or, or whatever. But um, 
I love to hear you say that, that, you know, now you're more present and more joyful and things like that. Um, do you think you would have become who you are today without the significant life change? Like, do you think there's a way that you could have gone down that path or was, was the change necessary? That's a great question. Um, I don't know that I would have been aware enough to try to do the work to put me where I am today. So for me, at least, I think that this, the, the, the discovery in, in what had happened in my marriage and all of that served as this huge catalyst to, to really push me forward. So I'd like to say that, yes, you know, I, I could have gotten here eventually. I don't know if I would have. So I, I think that when I've when I've interacted with people, some of the most joyful, authentic, vulnerable people that I interact with have incredibly tragic backstories or have huge things that have happened to them that you wouldn't necessarily know just from interacting with them. And I think that that, that is a direct reflection of being able to work through that change and come out the other side you know and I and I think something that we haven't necessarily talked about but is this idea of gratitude so really having gratitude for where you are what you have and this and what you've been through yeah I think really helps create a more joyous person my dad always says that he's never met a strong person with an easy past right <laughs> They don't exist. Exactly. <laughs> you can't get yeah. strong without going to the gym, unfortunately. Exactly. So yeah. we've talked about, like, you know, I don't know, kind of these, like, standard, not standard, but the, these big milestone changes that, mm -hmm. that occur for people. What about the the changes that we choose? You know, the, the person that's listening right now that should leave their marriage or the person that's listening and should quit their job or should sign up for the hard thing or, you know, whatever. What's your advice to, or in your perspective of, I'll call it chosen change. Mm -hmm. You know, the, these paths that, that they're scary to go down though, because talking about, you know, being present and, and relating it to that inner critic conversation, you know what you're about to lose, mm -hmm. but you don't know yet what you're about to gain, which is probably for so many people, I think one of the most scary moments in time that exist. Like, I'm going to sacrifice all this because something else might happen, but it might not. What, you know, what's, what's your perspective on chosen change and your advice to people that are contemplating intentionally having big life changes? Right. Well, and, and I will say that I went through an intentional chosen big life change about seven months ago when I decided to quit my job. So I had a pretty good job made pretty good money. It was, it was steady. You know, I, I brought home a paycheck every twice a month to every two weeks or so. Um, and I deliberately left all that behind, partially because where I was working, I had a crisis of values. So the values at my organization were no longer, they, they weren't, they were in conflict with my values. And, and so that really kind of living by my values helped necessitate Made this help yeah. make the change right because i knew that i couldn't continue to be where i was and honor my values so i think for anyone who is 
thinking about this chosen change or, or thinking about a big leap, the key really is getting in touch with your values and, and thinking about, okay, what's important to me? What do I value? And then, yeah, it's like, there's no way around it. It's scary. You know, I, and I think that a lot of times we let ourselves get paralyzed by that fear, right? Because we, we sort of feel like, okay, I'll go with the safe thing. I mean, I know from, from your journey in the past, right? You were, you were in a safe place. Like you, you had a, a safe job and, and you decided to, to kind of, uh, I don't want to say throw it all away, but throw it all away, right? It felt like, like I did. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And, and that's how it, it feels to me too. Like in a sense, I, I threw it all away. I still have people who look at me and, and say like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, how could you, how could you do that? And I think part of it really is this idea of having faith and being present and knowing that it's all going to work out. It's okay. You know, we can't, we, we can't live in the future because then we'll end up old and not having done what we wanted to do. And we'll just be unhappy. It's almost like embracing change contributes to living a rich life. Yes. That's a great phrase. Can I put that on my website? Yes. <laughs> just quote me. Just right. yeah, trademark it. But because <laughs> yeah, right. you know, I'm kind of thinking uh, I've I've been talking about, you know, these these this journey that I've been on of chasing greatness and exploration and whatever. And and really what it boils down to is trying to get all the information possible to live as rich of a life as possible. And a lot of times that has presented itself in doing things that are scary, you know, having hard conversations, taking chances, starting podcasts, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but hearing that from you, that's what I get from that, is that embracing change is part of the equation to living a rich life. Because, you know, that idea that you just mentioned of, being old and, you know, living with regret or whatever. The other thing too, I think that's worth noting is that we've talked about in, in many cases now that change is inevitable and resisting change is likely f futile. You know? like, <laughs> Who is that? The Borg from yeah. Star Trek? <laughs> like you're, you, you, you know, it's coming. And, and the more we sit and fight it, that energy could probably be spent in so many more powerful, productive and positive ways than you know, trying to resist the change that that we know is kind of kind of knocking at the door. I don't know. I just think it's an interesting speaking to you is an interesting reframe of the concept of change, knowing that not all change. Obviously, I mean, again, not to downplay tragedy mm -hmm. and and the people go through really really big things, um, but that it it can lead to really great things, too. I'd imagine that's a lot of the narrative that you have with your clients that are dealing with with changes. Is, is that kind of the message? Is that to try to find the the positive? I mean, what, what's the what's your advice when when people are coming to you? What, what's kind of your standard? You know, yeah. And, and I know it's not canned, but right. you know, somebody's coming and saying, "I'm I'm having this big change happening, and things are scary." What, what's your typical kind of response to to somebody like that? Well, I mean, my my first response really is is an empathetic one of like, yeah. You know, I get it. Like, from what you've said, it sounds scary. Like, it sounds terrifying. And it sounds like, 
you know, you, you don't know what to do and, and all of that. So I think the, the first thing is really kind of normalizing someone's emotions, right? And, and not trying to talk them out of it and not trying to, I call it at least, not trying to at least them out of it. Like, well, at least you're, you know, if, 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 uh, somebody's thinking about leaving a, a job or, or just got laid off, well, at least your spouse still has a job or at least you still have a house or, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. And, and really normalizing, one, their feelings, and then two, you know, just really kind of trying to, to dig in to where their energy is and what they, you know, want to do um, and, and what might be next for them. Um, and a lot of that happens really through the just kind of having these conversations with really open-ended questions. I mean, in a sense, to, to use a, another analogy, like, I don't have a dog in the fight, right? So, so to me, it doesn't matter whether somebody qu decides to quit their job or decides to uh, maybe reinvent their job or, you know, I, I'm kind of going to jobs right now. But whatever that is, it doesn't matter. It's really about... The, the client and their journey and what's important to them. Yeah, so. yeah. Coming back to your core values. Exactly, yeah. And I think that's so cool to, you know, several takeaways, obviously, from this conversation, but the importance of core values and, and core self has definitely been driven home, helping us, weather, helping us weather change in a huge way. You know, embracing change, the fact that that can help contribute to a, you know, to a rich life. Um, and then the, those ideas that we had kind of talked about with n seeing what could what's going away, but not necessarily seeing what could come, you know, right. and the growth from it and things like that. It's so powerful. I, I think that people need to hear, you know, that perspective on change so much more because it happens every day. Right? I mean, we're, we're dealing with change all of the time. And so I, yeah, I just, I think it's great. I want to, I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing some perspective on change and rituals. We, I feel like scratched just the surface. And right. now that I know that, you know, there's probably three or four other episodes on, you know, in the queue for ultras and rituals and, you know, right. diving deeper into changes, but um, incredibly, incredibly powerful and, and valuable. And I think, you know, for me, the resounding message is hope. That, you know, at the end of the day, through change, there's so much that could happen in a great way. And these great opportunities to align ourselves with our, our core values. And anyway, it's just, it's a great it's a great perspective. So I want to give you I've got uh, I'm sure you've seen by now inspired by example shirts. It's kind of my tradition um, because I really think that, you know, and to your point to just come back to that before we wrap. But that idea of community. And, you know, realizing that we all experience so much significant change behind closed doors and that you're not alone is inspiring. And for you to facilitate a place for people to work through their changes and to have, you know, rituals help and your coaching help, I think it really matters. And so I want to thank you for doing the work that you're doing um, because it is literally inspiring by example. And to see where you are now after your significant life change is huge. So I just want to end with that and tell you how much I appreciate letting me pick your brain and, and sharing the message, you know, the, the positive message and, and creating the community that you are because it matters. Well, thank you. I enjoyed chatting with you and I would love to talk 
lots more about all all sorts of things. So thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Stay tuned, everybody, for V2 and V3. Right. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you.